a journal of the plague year, being observations or memorials of the most remarkable occurrences, as well public as private, which happened in London during the last great visitation in 1665, written by a citizen who continued all the while in London, never made public before. Episode 6 In this episode, Defoe graphically describes the tenor of the moment, saying that death no longer seemed to be hovering overhead, but was now entering into homes and staring directly into people's faces. And he notes the spirit of repentance and confession its presence provoked. He also continues his diatribe against quacks, pretenders, and deceivers, here mentioning what he considers an even greater madness than those previously described, the resort to magic, in the form of things like charms, amulets, and exorcisms. As if, he says, the plague was not the hand of God, but a kind of possession of an evil spirit. He concludes this portion of his narrative by describing how the Lord Mayor, seeing the way the poor, especially, were being victimized, appointed physicians and surgeons for their relief, of course, there was little medically that could be done for them, given the level of understanding of the disease at that time, but there was another, deeper reason so little could be done, Defoe says again, for the plague is God's judgment, quote, eminently armed from heaven from executing the errand it was sent about. But to return to the people, whose confusions fitted them to be imposed upon by all sorts of pretenders and by every mountbank, there is no doubt but these quacking sort of fellows raised great gains out of the miserable people, for we daily found the crowds that ran after them were infinitely greater, and their doors were more thronged than those of Dr. Brooks, Dr. Upton, Dr. Hodges, Dr. Berwick, or any, though the most famous men of the time and I was told that some of them got five pounds a day by their physic. But there was still another madness beyond all this, which may serve to give an idea of the distracted humor of the poor people at that time, and this was their following a worse sort of deceivers than any of these. For these petty thieves only deluded them to pick their pockets and get their money, in which their wickedness, whatever it was, lay chiefly on the side of the deceivers, not upon the deceived. But in this part I am going to mention, it lay chiefly in the people deceived, or equally in both, and this was in wearing charms, filters, exorcisms, amulets, and I know not what preparations, to fortify the body with them against the plague, as if the plague was not the hand of God, but a kind of possession of an evil spirit, and that it was to be kept off with crossings, signs of the zodiac, papers tied up with so many knots, and certain words or figures written on them, as particularly the word abracadabra, formed in a triangle or pyramid. I might spend a great deal of time in my exclamations against the follies, and indeed the wickedness of those things, in a time of such danger, in a matter of such consequences as this, of a national infection. But my memorandums of these things relate rather to take notice only of the fact 
and mentioned only that it was so. How the poor people found the insufficiency of those things, and how many of them were afterwards carried away in the dead carts and thrown into the common graves of every parish with these hellish charms and trumpery hanging about their necks, remains to be spoken of as we go along. All this was the effect of the hurry the people were in, after the first notion of the plague being at hand was among them, and which may be said to date from about Michaelmas 1664, but more particularly after the two men died in St. Giles in the beginning of December, and again after another alarm in February. For when the plague evidently spread itself, they soon began to see the folly of trusting to those unperforming creatures who had gulled them of their money, and then their fears worked another way, namely, to amazement and stupidity, not knowing what course to take or what to do either to help or relieve themselves. But they ran about from one neighbor's house to another, and even in the streets from one door to another, with repeated cries of, Lord, have mercy upon us! What shall we do? Indeed, the poor people were to be pitied in one particular thing in which they had little or no relief, and which I desire to mention with a serious awe and reflection, which perhaps every one that reads this may not relish, namely, that whereas death now began not, as we may say, to hover over everyone's head only, but to look into their houses and chambers and stare in their faces. Though there might be some stupidity and dullness of the mind, and there was so a great deal, yet there was a great deal of just alarm sounded into the very inmost soul, if I may say so, of others. Many consciences were awakened, many hard hearts melted into tears, many a penitent confession was made of crimes long concealed. It would wound the soul of any Christian to have heard the dying groans of many a despairing creature, and none durst come near to comfort them. Many a robbery, many a murder was then confessed aloud, and nobody surviving to record the accounts of it. People might be heard, even into the streets as we passed along, calling upon God for mercy through Jesus Christ, and saying, I have been a thief, I have been an adulterer, I have been a murderer, and the like. And none durst stop to make the least inquiry into such things, or to administer comfort to the poor creatures that in the anguish both of soul and body thus cried out. Some of the ministers did visit the sick at first, and for a little while, but it was not to be done. It would have been present death to have gone into some houses. The very barriers of the dead, who were the hardenest creatures in town, were sometimes beaten back and so terrified that they durst not go into houses where whole families were swept away, and where the circumstances were more particularly horrible, as some were. But this was, indeed, at the first heat of the distemper. Time inured them to it all, and they ventured everywhere afterwards without hesitation, as I shall have occasion to mention at large hereafter. I am supposing now the plague to be begun, as I have said, and that the magistrates began to take the condition of the people into their serious consideration. What they did, as to the regulation of the inhabitants and of infected families, I shall speak to by itself. But as to the affair of health, it is proper to mention it here that, having seen the foolish humor of the people in running after quacks and mountbanks, wizards and fortune-tellers, 
which they did, as above, even to madness, the Lord Mayor, a very sober and religious gentleman, appointed physicians and surgeons for relief of the poor, I mean the diseased poor, and in particular ordered the College of Physicians to publish directions for cheap remedies for the poor, in all the circumstances of the distemper. This, indeed, was one of the most charitable and judicious things that could be done at the time, for this drove the people from haunting the doors of every disperser of bills, and from taking down blindly and without consideration poison for physic, and death instead of life. This direction of the physicians was done by a consultation of the whole college, and, as it was particularly calculated for the use of the poor and for cheap medicines, it was made public, so that everybody might see it, and copies were given gratis to all that desired it. But as it is public, and to be seen on all occasions, I need not give the reader of this the trouble of it. I shall not be supposed to lessen the authority or capacity of the physicians when I say that the violence of the distemper when it came to its extremity was like the fire the next year. The fire, which consumed what the plague could not touch, defied all the application of remedies. The fire engines were broken, the buckets thrown away, and the power of man was baffled and brought to an end. So the plague defied all medicines. The very physicians were seized with it, and with their preservatives in their mouths, and men went about prescribing to others and telling them what to do till the tokens were upon them, and they dropped down dead, destroyed by that very enemy they directed others to oppose. This was the case of several physicians, even some of them the most eminent, and of several of the most skilled surgeons. Abundance of quacks too died, who had the folly to trust to their own medicines, which they must needs be conscious to themselves were good for nothing, and who rather ought, like other sorts of thieves, to have run away, sensible of their guilt, from the judgment they could not but expect should punish them, as they knew they had deserved. Not that it is any derogation from the labor or application of the physicians to say they fell in the common calamity, nor is it so intended by me. It rather is to their praise that they ventured their lives so far as even to lose them in the service of mankind. They endeavored to do good and to save the lives of others, but we were not to expect that the physicians should stop God's judgments or prevent a distemper eminently armed from heaven from executing the errand it was sent about. Doubtless, the physicians assisted many by their skill and by their prudence and applications to the saving of their lives and restoring their health. But it is not lessening their character or their skill to say they could not cure those that had the tokens upon them, or those who were mortally infected before the physicians were sent for, as was frequently the case.